Amen. This morning, I would like to take you on a trip. We're going to go down to the potter's house. Amen. Do you like a trip? Remember when you were in school, for those of us who've been out of school years and years and years, but you remember we used to have field trips and we were so excited. So I want you to get excited. We're going down to the potter's house. Amen. So this morning, we're looking at a passage from the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah lived during the time of the divided kingdom. The nation of Israel had split into two kingdoms. So there was the northern Israel and the southern Judah. And both had separate kings ruling over them. In both, most of the kings were evil. They were distant from God and self-serving. Both kingdoms eventually were overthrown and God's chosen people were thrown into captivity. Jeremiah was both a prophet and a priest serving in the southern kingdom of Judah. In many ways, it would have been easier to just be a priest carrying out priestly duties in the temple every day. The ministry of a prophet, however, was quite another matter because you never knew from one day to the next what the Lord would call you to do or say. The priests worked to conserve the past by serving and protecting the ministry, but the prophet labored to change the present so the nation would have a future. When the prophet saw the people going in the wrong direction, he sought to call them back onto the right path. And this is what Jeremiah did. He served under most, mostly evil kings, warning them to cease idol worship, return to an obedient, godly way of life. Jeremiah's words were ultimately ignored And in his lifetime, he witnessed the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and Judah's fall to the Babylonians in 586 B.C. Perhaps one of the most well-known of all of Jeremiah's writings is found in this chapter, chapter 18. And his words are as relevant today as they were way back then. As we look at our scripture text, we see that the prophet Jeremiah was commanded to go to the potter's house to receive a message from God that was to be delivered to the people. The potter's house was probably located in the southern section of the city, perhaps in the potter's field of the south of Jerusalem, just beyond the valley of Hinnom. Now, before we go to the potter's house, I want to let you know some of the things that you will see there, because we don't want you to ask questions while we're at the potter's house. You'll you'll see clay at the potter's house. Clay, in its natural state, 
is seldom fit for use in making vessels. Several stages of preparation were usually necessary. The clay was mixed with water and then sifted to remove stones and large particles. At the potter's house, you'll see a potter's wheel. Two circular stones connected by a vertical shaft. The potter could sit at the wheel spinning the lower stone with his feet and causing the upper disc to rotate. This enabled both hands to be free in order to work the clay. You'll see a furnace, which is used for the drying process. In order for the vessel to harden sufficiently to hold liquid and retain its shape, it must be exposed to a minimum temperature of 500 degrees Celsius or 900 degrees Fahrenheit. In the potter's house, you'll also see shelves upon shelves of works of art. Once they were shapeless mass of clay, the lifeless clay was under the hand of the potter, and as the wheel of circumstance turned, he molded and made them into the vessels that they now stand on display. So are we ready now? Let's come on. Let's go down to the potter's house and stand with Jeremiah as he watches the potter at work. The potter is at the wheel. He works the pedal with his foot to make the wheel turn. As he pedals, his hands are skillfully, artistically working with the clay. Can you see that? I want you all to visualize that. Can y'all see it? Okay. I want to make sure. Right? So he's there working and attempting to form out of it a work of art. Jeremiah notices as the potter molded or shaped the vessel on the potter's wheel that defects started to appear. The vessel was marred in the hand of the potter. The potter didn't discard the clay. The potter didn't throw the clay away. He simply remolded it into another vessel. While Jeremiah looks carefully upon the potter's work, God puts in his mind that man is the clay upon the potter's wheel and God is the potter. And God says, cannot I do with you as this potter? As the clay is in the potter's hands to be molded and shaped it, so are you in my hands. And I'm glad we're in God's hand to mold and shape because I know me, if I was there at the potter's wheel and my, my uh, vessel looked kind of messed up, I'd be ready to throw it away in the garbage and say, can I have another piece of clay? And I would start over. But that's not what God does with us. God will just reshape us and remold us. He doesn't throw us away. And that's something to be excited about. Amen. Amen. You see that all nations are subject to the Lord who directs their histories according to his will, just as he fashions the individual and his course of life according to God's own divine will. So here we have Jeremiah 
going to the potter's house to listen to what God has to tell him. Let's look for a moment at the potter himself. The potter is an artist. Like other artists, they are a unique, they are unique, and they have a special sense of vision that most people don't have. When a potter set out to create a vessel, the potter has envisioned what it is that he wants to make. The potter has an idea of what the vessel is to look like when he is finished. All artists have the same property in their physique. An architect has a vision of what the building will look like when completed. God has a plan for our lives as well, and God knows what God wants us to look like when God is finished with us. Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. The main message in verse 6, just as the potter had the authority to do with the clay as he pleases, God has the authority to, to do with us as he pleases. But get this, God doesn't. He doesn't just freestyle it. God has a master plan for each and every one of us. You see, we were created in the image of God. 1 Corinthians 15 and 49 says, And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. If we are to look like God, then we must undergo some major, major transformation. However, it requires us to be moldable. It requires us to be receptive. It requires us to be firm enough to hold a shape. It requires you to be tough enough to handle the process. It requires you to be pressured enough to release all of the impurities. Not only does the potter need a plan, but he also needs to know the methods or the steps it is required to mold this ball of clay into a beautiful, priceless work. The first thing that the potter has to do is to pick out the clay that is to be used. So I'm going to ask you on this morning, what type of clay are you? So I want you to listen because I'm going to describe the different types of clay. And I want you to determine which clay are you. There are three basic types of clay, earthenware, stoneware, and kaolin. Earthenware clay contains many minerals, such as iron oxide, which is rust, and in its raw state may contain some sand or small bits of rocks. Earthenware is secondary clay 
because of its many impurities. Earthenware melts at a cooler temperature than other clay. Earthenware fires or bakes in a temperature range of 1,700 to 2,100 degrees Fahrenheit. After firing, it is still porous and it is often white or gray. Earthenware is commonly used in the making of terracotta pots, roofing tiles, and other low fireware. Firing is the process that the clay must go through to allow it to be hardened so that it will maintain its shape and be useful. So the second clay is stoneware. Stoneware is hard and durable clay that is fired to temperatures between 2100 and 2300 degrees Fahrenheit. Stoneware comes in several colors and styles, textures, and it will hold water all by itself when fired to the recommended temperature. But it requires more shaping and manipulating than earthware. Its natural colors vary from light gray or tan to dark gray or chocolatey brown. Historically, stoneware was used for crocks and jugs and is now typically used to make dinnerware. The third clay is the kaolin clay. The purest clay, it is the closest to glass. Called primary clay because it has few impurities and it's the main ingredient that is used in making porcelain. Its particle size is larger than other clays. It, it is then more fragile and more expensive. Kaolin is high fire clay, needing heat from 2335 to 2550 degrees Fahrenheit to vertrify or to hold water. Fired porcelain can become very hard and translucent. It's, it, 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 it's melted surface becoming so smooth and shiny that it can reflect an image when held to the bright light. Kaolin also requires the most work. So depending on the type of clay you are, that will determine the method required to make you into the vessel you need to be. So Jeremiah observed that God had a purpose for his chosen people. While the potter worked on its pottery, the vessel became marred in his hand. We are all marred. Amen. And marred means decayed, ruined, corrupt, spoiled, disfigured, wasted. Once marred, the vessel could not become what the potter wanted. The vessel could have been marred because of an impurity in the clay or from some outside source. Even while the divine potter, which is God, 
works on us, we may become marred. We may become marred because of some inborn or natural trait we have not turned over to God. We often become marred because we allow other things to have influence on us. Reasons we resist the working of the potter in our lives. We become marred when we want only the blessings and not the responsibility of serving God. We become marred when we starve ourselves by not reading and studying the word of God. We are marred because of lack of communication with God. We do not pray. We are marred because we will not take advantage of training to become better servants. We are marred becoming unusable for the potter's original plan because we will not hear God. So I ask you this morning, what type of clay are you? If you are earthenware clay, you are not really good for much of anything, except <laughs> God will make us better. God always makes us better. If you if you are earthenware clay, you are not really good for much of anything, except to hold dirt and sit outside and collect dust. You took the potter's molding, but you are still very much tooled into the world's dirt. You are porous in your faith, and you aren't really even sure what's it all about. What is this Jesus thing all about? I don't know, and I don't care. Earthenware. If you're stoneware clay, you have been through some stuff that required you to rely on God for the answer. But as soon as the crisis is over, you're right back into your old habits. You go to church and you're doing your part, but you are like the earthenware. You are still able to hold on to the world's dirt inside only where no one else can see it. But when it's held up to the light, you can't see anything. Or maybe you're porcelain clay. You've been through the shaping process. You've been beaten, broken down, ground up, and then mixed with water and a little bit of new clay so that you now can be reshaped into something beautiful. And now you are being fired at high temperatures. The beauty of all of this pressure and manipulating by the potter's hands is now that you are becoming transparent in your faith. And what is revealed when you're held up to the light is the beauty of the only begotten, the creator and sustainer. In fact, the reflection of the potter. 
2 Corinthians 3 and 18 states, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Without the potter, we are just simply a lump of clay. So let me make this thing live for you. You may be struggling financially. You're working as hard as you can, but the bills just keep coming. You can't get ahead. You may be struggling for a peace of mind. You may be struggling from some sort of addiction. And in your struggles, you're saying, Lord, this isn't what I wanted. Why is this happening to me? But then you realize that God is using this to make you more like Jesus. He says right now, you need this situation in your life so that you'll continue to pray night and day and ask me for help. You need this situation as a reminder that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. You need this situation so that God can accomplish his purpose in your life. God uses all the good things and all the hard things to make you more like him. Philippians 1 and 6 says that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Our God is an attentive God. God cares about every aspect of your life and how it will turn out. And most of all, you will become the vessel that God has planned you to be. But we all realize if we don't go through some sort of heartbreak, heartache, circumstance, we may not pray as often as we should. We may not communicate with God as often as we should. We may not even open our Bible. We may not sing a song unto the Lord. But when trouble comes, You will say, Lord, why? Lord, I need you to help me. And you'll start to develop that relationship with God. You'll open up your Bible looking for a word to help you to get through the day, help you to get through the night. Tears are streaming down your face. Why? Those are the reasons why God chose you to go through some of the hard things. And you may not see it right now, but down the road you'll understand why God chose you to go through the things that you had to go through. So I want you to be encouraged because the spirit of the Lord is saying that I will do for you what I promised Israel in Ezekiel 36 verses 26 and 27, which says, a new heart also will 
I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my stature. And ye shall keep my judgments and do them. So God promises not to leave us and not to forsake us in the situation that we're going through. But we must draw close to God. We must draw close. We must have that relationship. Even after after knowing the plan, knowing what the finished vessel will look like, sometimes we just become these lumps of unusable dirt. We allow little circumstances to cause us to be mean and bitter. We want to get even. So-and-so did this to me, I'm getting her back. And then we start plotting and scheming as to how we're going to pay them back instead of turning it over to God. You see, but we can be usable. All it takes is a little bit of moisture and some hard pressure from the potter. And we can be conformed into something beautiful, something priceless. There's one problem with all clay. Sometimes we just don't want to become anything. We are happy and content just being dirt. We don't want to be touched and we don't want to be used and we certainly don't want to be transparent or even valuable. We just like being dirt. That way, no one can expect us to be anything useful and we won't have to worry about breaking and we won't have to worry about someone seeing us for what or who we really are. Isaiah 45 and 9 says, Woe to those who strive with their maker, earthen vessels with the potter. Does the clay say to the one who fashions it, What are you making? Or your work has no handles? The clay doesn't talk back to the potter and say, Hey, what are you trying to do to me? Understand this. Even David, after all of his screw-ups, was a, was, was a man after God's own heart. God never stopped working on Peter and Paul. He didn't quit working on Jeremiah. So God did not quit working on the clay until he made an object of use. So the Lord has persistence in working with us. God will not quit until we develop into a vessel for God's use. He may have to restart many times as we fail to develop into what God has called us to be. But he will continue until we are finished. For me, I never saw myself as being a pastor. Never 
in a million years. That was not my journey. My journey. That was not my plan. Truth be told, my plan was to be a famous R&B singer. <laughs> that was my plan. And I tried to do all of that, go into recording studios and do songs, and, but nothing, it never worked out. You know, I even had a showcase, right? I had my backup singers, I had my band and everything. And when I went to sing the R&B songs, because I grew up in church, singing in a church, it just didn't feel right singing an R&B song because I couldn't get in it like I wanted to because when you sing to the Lord, you can really get into it. Amen. You can tell God how much you love him. Amen. How much you adore him. I couldn't do that in an R&B song. I was like, I don't think this is the right thing for me. And then I sang in the choir and they picked this song for me to sing called He Cares. And I tell you, every time I sung that song, I ended up crying. I couldn't finish through the song because the Lord was just working on me, working on me. And I was being, I guess, disobedient because I wanted to be this R&B singer. So I'm like, no, Lord, I'm not trying to be saved. I'm not trying to give my life to you. Not yet. And I was like, God, here's the plan. Now, I'm going to tell God the plan. See, I'm going to be an R.B. singer, right? And then you have me with a whole bunch of fans, right? And then I'll convert over to you, and then I can convert all of them. <laughs> God's like, no, that's not the plan. So it didn't matter how hard it, how, how many times I went into the studio and recorded. It didn't matter who I worked with. That was not the plan God had for me. And I wanted to learn more of the word. So I enrolled in our church's Bible study, Religious Training Institute, and I just learned everything that I could learn. And then when I finished the whole school, I finished the school. I wanted to learn more, so I went to my pastor and I talked to him. And I said, well, what can I do? I, I want to do more. So I enrolled in seminary school, still not wanting to be a pastor. That, that, was, that word was like null and void to me. But I followed the path. And then I was afforded the opportunity to go to Germany for three months on a gospel tour singing <clears throat> the Lord's songs. And people were touched by my singing, because I allowed the Lord to use me. And I wanted to share the good news with them, but we were told, because it was a paid concert, you are not allowed to talk about Jesus Christ, because then you would be selling Jesus Christ. And I was not trying to be thrown in jail. <laughs> but we did pray with the people. They, they actually made me the chaplain. <laughs> so I would pray. 
These young people, they would come and they were crying, not knowing what they were feeling, but it was God moving. And I had that deep desire to share more and more and more about what God wanted me to do. And I kept on moving. Things were happening in my life. Crazy things were just going on. God was molding and shaping me and getting me all ready. But I still didn't want to be a pastor. I was going to be, so this was my second plan. (laughs) I was going to be a great evangelist who went around spreading the good news. That was the plan. And when we went to seminary, they asked us to write about your call. Like, what is my call? They had to instill it in us. And even after the class was over, you had to write again about your call. And there were so many people in school that did not know why they were there. They just know that they were there. And it may sound weird, right? We go to seminary school, you think you're going there because, oh, you want to be a pastor or you want to do this. Some people go to seminary school because that's where God is leading them, but they don't know what they're going to be doing. But I followed the process, and I followed through, and here I am. The same thing with you. Look back over your life. See where God has taken you from, where God is leading you. What is God telling you to do? We have to get our work in order. God is ready for us. People are out there waiting for us to get in place so that we can minister to them. But we have to be moldable. We have to go through the hard times. Because when you go through the hard times, then you can minister to someone else who's going through the hard times. You know, we talked about George Brown. You remember the guy on Patchog Yanfake Road? We saw him the other day. Every time he sees my husband, he has this huge smile on his face. And he runs over to the car because he knows my husband is going to give him something that will help him through the day. So our next thing is to give him a package. We're we're planning to give him a food package. We wanted to find out if he had a stove, if he had a place where he could cook his food and things, and he said, yes, yes. He was so excited. That's what God has called us to do, to minister to those who are out there. We can't just sit here and be comfortable, but we must go out. So God is molding and making us into what he wants us to be. So in conclusion, I didn't have all of that written. I just want y'all to know. But... Are we ready and willing to be shaped into what God wants us to be? Amen. Are we soft to the leading of the Lord? Do we resist when God applies pressure? Or do we move? Have we become hardened and brittle? We have to be, be careful. Because once clay is hardened, 
No matter what shape it is in, it becomes very fragile and it is in danger of being broken to pieces. So we don't want to become hardened or brittle. We want to still be moldable. So our prayer this morning should be, Lord, help us to not become hardened and unusable. When God works with us, it may be painful. There are times, too, when what God wants for us and what we want for ourselves are extreme odds. Right? I just shared my story. And then we fight against the hand of the potter. But we need to remember always that we are in the hands of a loving God. And then he is making us into something beautiful, into something useful. God the potter, even with such power and majesty, loves you and I. So much that in our marred condition, God still sees a masterpiece. And he tenderly and lovingly works to accomplish his purpose. So I challenge you for today is that if you feel the tug of the potter, the hand of him working on you, become the good kind of clay that follows the hands of the master and follows the purpose that God has for you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your message. We thank you for this word to let us know that you are the potter and we are the clay. Mold us and make us after your will, O God. God, help us to be usable. God, help us to see our purpose. God, lead us and guide us through the tough times, the things we don't understand why they happen to us. But God, you promise never to leave us and never to forsake us. So we thank you for your many blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.